Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Old Ways Podcast's Vampire the Masquerade Chronicles, Shards of San Francisco. I am your storyteller, Storyteller Rena, and uh, tonight we have some information to be gathering. But before we do that, I would like to say thank you, as always, to all of our listeners, and in particular to all of our Patreon backers. We literally could not do this without your support. If you'd like to be one of our magnificent, wonderful, delightful Patreon backers, you can do so at patreon.com slash theoldwayspodcast. So now, on with the show. Let's start with some introductions. To my right. Hi, this is Mike, and I play Marcus Voss of Clan Bruja. Indeed. And to Marcus's right? Hi, I'm John. I'm playing Sylvester LaViolette of Clan Gangrel, and I guess I just talk like this today. Next to Sylvester. Hi, my name is Tegan, and I'm playing Rom the Shaman of Clan Malkavian. Indeed. And you have a gift bag waiting for you. It's going to be delightful. And uh, at the end of the table. Hi, I'm Ali, and I play Katerina Bogdanovich, and I have a mermaid. You do. Funny how that happened. And uh, we're in the missing Monica West formation this evening, so last but never least. This is Tiffany, and I play, play Alex Giovanni of uh, Clan Hakata. Wonderful. So we are resuming tonight, where we left off before, with one Marcus Voss arriving at the boat of one Rom the Shaman uh, with a, well, a a rather disillusioned hunter, let's say, uh, who has been disabused of a couple of his notions about what will protect him from vampires. So we will pick up with that scene as uh, Marcus has arrived with your present, Rom. I love it. I look like a rather strangely dressed Santa, I suppose. Jogging suit, that sort of thing. Big bag over my shoulder. What? Okay, so I'm assuming that's a person, Marcus. You know what assumptions, you know what they do. Uh, They're right, because they're always right, because I'm good at what I do. Anyways, okay. We need a quiet space. The three of us. Why do you have a person? I'll explain. Let's get somewhere private. Okay. Well, I have a number of private spaces. What are you looking for to do? Me personally? For the moment? I'd like to stand and watch. Again? Stand and watch what, Marcus? Why is there a body in a bag? I want to watch you do what you do best, which is enlighten people. Oh. 
You're going to help me unburden this poor soul. You need information. We need information. Because last time I checked, even as, um, well, after the glow up and all, you're still undead, just like me. Oh, look, I'm not opposed to doing it. I just want to make sure that we understand whose responsibility this is. All right, fantastic. So, um, in that case, um, I mean, we still have all of the equipment from the last couple parties, or seeing as that, you know, you're kind of old school, you know, mob boss thing going on here, we could drag him down to the reefer decks and, you know, make him cold and uncomfortable on top of everything else. So it's your choice, either leather restraints or handcuffs in the giant refrigerator. Let's go leather. I think it seems to speak to the current motif I've been keeping up. And oh, that's then, fantastic. There's a lot of sharp tools in those spaces as well. So that's fan. That's how much law and order have you watched? What? How much law and order have you watched? Well, I did for a time thinking, thought about getting a tramp stamp that said executive producer Dick Wolf. But um, I grin. So enough. Good. So you're the good cop. Oh, guess which one I am. The other good cop. Sure. All right, bad apples. Let's let's do this. So lead the lead the way to this leather pleasure palace you have. Pleasure Palace. Oh, you're so generous. All right, we walk up the gangplank, and I go ahead and I take Marcus and the bag. Is the bag conscious? Um, technically speaking, the bag either is unconscious, I would imagine, or it could be in a state of, we'll just say, reverie. No worries. I just wanted to. I wanted to understand the level of squirming. Anyways, so uh, yeah, we go down a couple of decks uh, past. Uh, Alex and Katarina's rooms, and we do have a space that would normally be a gym on the ship. And, you know, there is a number of pieces of equipment. You know, actually a gym and this place don't look that different, except for, I mean, there, there's, there's some lovely pieces of furniture that are made of leather and wood, very sturdy, sturdy. Dirty pieces of furniture, a number of crosses, both traditional and St. Andrews. We have thrones and there's platforms that have cages underneath. We have vertical cages. We have these really interesting split level platforms where an elbows would be raised above knees and everything has these places where you can attach carabiners or hooks or, or chains to them in order to attach. Along the wall, in a pegboard display, is a series of tools. Everything from floggers to paddles to single tail whips to interesting objects like Home Depot paint sticks wrapped in vinyl tape. And next to those is various half-melted candles and lots of very interesting 
normal kitchen implements that just happen to be incredibly useful for other kinds of things. There's handcuffs, both furry and and just plain steel. There's 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 leather cuffs. That's what you and and then just so much more. Just so very much more. Well, what can I say, Ram? Uh, I love what you've done with the place. I set the bag down, sort of open up the top and then run a hand along the outside of the bag until I get to the end and then pull the bag off. So, Ram, you see a fairly young looking man, maybe in his mid 20s, and he's dressed like a homeless person. Only you can now see there's multiple crucifixes <laughs> dangling from chains off of his neck. His nose is broken. He's covered in blood. You presume his own. And he's seems to be pretty much unconscious at the moment, or at least barely conscious. That's fine. Okay, the first thing I'm going to do is bring over one of the little rolly tables and lock down the wheels. And then I'm going to just... Pat him down, remove everything from his pockets, and lay it out one by one on this tray, including all of his jewelry and his necklaces and everything. You do take off the crucifixes and you find the entire bulb of garlic that he shoved into a pocket. And most of the rest of what he has in his pockets is just loose change. And you do find inside his coat there appears to be silver stitched into the lining mm, that's fine that's whatever I, I you know what if he won't let me remove this stuff if he's too wiggly I'll just I have a box cutter but I'm I'm gonna go ahead and take him down to his skivvies and and just and array everything else out around so he can see all of his accoutrement is here and completely useless to him because it's important for him to eventually come to that realization. I'm going to take the garlic. All right. I mean, you know, you do you. you make some pasta sauce. All right. I'm looking around at the various. Oh, I know. Perfect. And I slide this sawhorse looking bench over. It's got absolutely no padding. It is wood. Um, it's split level, so the elbows would be about a foot higher than where the knees would go, and then the stomach and sternum would be on the raised platform in the center. But other than that, it kind of is just shaped like a sawhorse. Uh, very nice. I actually got this. It's not even pine. This one's made of oak. And there are galvanized steel loops that have been bolted in various places. So while he's still compliant, um, I will go ahead and walk up to the strap wall and you know what? We don't have to get creative here. I'm not even gonna drag my good shit out. Um, let's see here, just plain black restraints with silver studs and loops. And honestly, since he's going to have all of his limbs separated, we don't even need something locking. Uh, a quartet of carabiners. That's all I'm going to need for this. I'll go ahead and attach those straps to his wrists and ankles. I'll tighten them down with the buckles. And then I will use the carabiners to attach them to each of the loops at each corner of this apparatus. So he's now in 
what can only be described as like hands and knees like just like you know kind of just you know on his stomach with his hands and knees and he is completely strapped in to this this wooden and galvanized steel apparatus he shouldn't be he should be able to rattle ooh rattle all you want it's fine it's very intimidating i love it but he he's not going to be able to reach any of the other carabiners with his hands or anything because you know, let's see he's like really dexterous fingers and and we'll have other uses for those so it's fine all right he's he's not going anywhere quick also because that door is like two inches thick so we're good i dip into my pocket and i walk over to his face where his face is sort of hanging over and i'll uh open up a small vial and put it under his nose is that like literally freaking smelling salts do you have actual smelling salts where do you buy those well you didn't think this was my first time did you he coughs and splutters and starts waking up. Ugh, oh, my nose. The fuck? I step back. Um, I'm going to look on the wall here. As has been described, there are some rather um, long pieces of either rope or leather, I assume. Um, yeah, there's single tail whips. Those are those are going to be leather or okay. some of them are made from like um, parachute cord. Okay, so how, how long you figure, give or take? In an enclosed space, I'm probably using a shorter single tail just so that like it's more useful for a swing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just need rope, I've got hemp. And I've got, oh, so you're actually looking just for rope. Okay, I was thinking about like something to cause pain. You want for restraint. Oh, well, in that case, and I just like open up this wooden chest in here and I'm like, okay, so we've got everything from steel cable uh, to heavy brass chain. I've got hemp rope if you really want it to be itchy. It's, sometimes it's, it's what they're looking for. And all the way up to uh, really nice nylon and silk. Um, you just need to be aware that if you're going to do, like, he's he's not undead. So it really depends on how comfortable you are with completely cutting off his circulation to which one of these you're going to use and how you're going to use it. I'm going to take a length of chain, roughly, say, seven feet or so of it. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Um, these are like one inch brass thick chains, and these are heavy. Heavy is relative, but good. I'll step to one section of the room and sort of clear out so that way Rom has space to work. And then um, in view of said person, so that way they can see what I'm doing. I'm going to begin, because this is a gym, skipping rope with that chain. Very quiet, very directly, paying attention to what's going on. The person looks, tilts his head slightly, looks at you, Rom. Who the fuck are you? Hey there, buddy. You have beautiful teeth, man. Thanks. How's it going? Hey, what's your name? Uh, Benjamin? He seems to be so bleary from whatever it was, maybe the unconsciousness or or how hard Marcus hit him, you're not sure, but he definitely blurted out his name, but he's also in that kind of space where he's a little less able, you think, to hide things at the moment because he's not sure where he is or who he's talking to and he just came up out of unconsciousness. 
Benjamin what? Benjamin Button? What are, what's your name? Carter. Benjamin Carter. How lovely, generic American of you. All right, Benjamin Carter. Where are you from, Benny? Why Why can't I move? Oh, um, it's because you're sleepy. It's because you, you're taking, taking a sleep time. You're taking a little, you're taking a nap. Now you're waking up. Yeah. Do you need, do you need some, do you need something? He starts pulling and seems to realize he can't actually move. Yeah, that's because your sternum's pressed into a piece of wood. It's okay. I'm going to help you out here. Are you cold? Are you cold? Are you doing okay? The f- what the fuck is... Wait, where's the other guy? Where's the other guy? Yeah, don't worry about the other guy. How did I get here? How did you get here? You got carried. He starts panicking a little bit. Yeah, okay. Um. So what I'd like to do is compel him to be calm. I have that ability, right? You do have compel, yes. So you don't have to roll because he's human and he's not prepared for you to try and compel him. So you just look him in the eyes and what is the one word command you give him? Relax. And he looks into your eyes and his pupils kind of dilate a little bit. Oh, hey. It's just, just a dream. Just a dream. Yeah, you got it, buddy. Yeah. Relaxes. So, Marcus, what did, what what do you want to know? Oh, I want to know who his friends are. I want to know where they're staying. Okay. Okay. There's a whole big group of happy hunters here in our fair city. And we need to root them out. Hey, Benny. Benny, you still with me? You still green? Mm, Yeah. Okay. You're way too hot for a dream, man. That's great. I'm glad that you feel that way. This is going to become much easier. All right. So, hey... Are you from San Francisco? Yeah. Oh, you are? Okay. Yes. A lot of sun, but that's okay. Yeah. Hey, I hear you've been hanging out with some people and doing some really interesting things. And I was wondering if you could tell me about the interesting things you've been doing and who you've been doing them with. Do you want to tell me a story? Okay, I think at that, he's actually going to tense up again. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Esther told me about people like you. You're not a people. You're not a... Oh, God. You're not a people. And he just, in this kind of blurry voice, so he starts pulling back against the restraints again, and you start hearing him mutter the Lord's Prayer. That's fine. Marcus, I have to be just the good cop. Do you need the bad cop? I is, I just like sigh and I stare off in the distance for a second. A little bit. Gun, gun, yeah, just, just for a minute. Just. I stop skipping. I stop skipping rope and like let the chain sort of fall uh, to the gym floor. 
and come over to Benny. Benjamin. Mr. Carter, if you're nasty. And I'll, uh, I'll lean down in front of him. Sort of just... Because I have the tracksuit on, I have to crouch. It seems fitting. It's important. And then I'll, uh, I'll grab him by the shorter part of the back of his head. And I'll say, who is Esther? Oh, fuck, it's you. Oh, God. I take my other hand, I dip it in my pocket, I take out that clove of garlic, and I put it in my mouth and give it a good crunch. Marcus, that's gross. It's gross. You don't know where you had that garlic. Garlic is tasty and also good for the body. Well, maybe not my body. So listen, Benny, Um, there are really just a couple ways that this can go. And I gotta confess, I don't care about you. Not really. Not in here. Kinda dead inside. What's important is you can do yourself a favor right here and right now and answer my friend's questions when they ask. Because if you don't answer them, then I have to ask the same questions and we get this sort of repetitive monologue going and then nobody wants to listen to that. So answer Rom's questions right here, right now, or I'll ask them. And you won't like it because we we want it, we don't ask questions the same way. Understand? I sort of take my middle finger and just flick the tip of his nose, knowing that it's broken. Oh, ow! But it's supposed to. Why didn't it work? He said it would work. Who said it would work? And he seems to get up a little bit of his defiance, just a little bit, just just a tad. Pastor Easton said it would work. He's, he's he knows things about 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 demons spawn like you. He's he's a man of God. God, interesting. I'm sure we'll pay Fred a visit soon enough. I stand back up. Now the question is, who is Esther? And I sort of run my hand down Benjamin's back. And I give him a very hard smack on the butt. Answer the question. And then I exit the scene and let Rom get back to work. So why don't you give me a manipulation plus intimidation roll here, Marcus? Sure. That is three successes. He lets out a whimper and actively tries to pull away from you and is looking back at Rom as if, like, he's crazy, right? I'm just gonna walk around him quietly and just kind of put my hand on my chin and I'm just kind of thinking about this situation and this scenario and I'm just making sure I'm approaching this from the right direction. And I'm gonna lean down right in the front right in front of his face. I'm going to give him a kiss on the forehead. I think that scares him more that scares him more than Marcus at the moment. <laughs> Good. That's the point. Pastor Easton said that that sometimes demons can convince humans to work. You're human, right? Right? You're just working with him, right? I'm going to take a few steps back 
from him. I'm looking at him in the face. I'm face. He's facing forward for me. I'm going to take a few steps back and I'm going to lift my shirt off and I'm going to turn around so that he can see and Marcus for the first time can see my back. Why don't you describe what this poor, poor deluded human sees? On my back is what can only be described as the Malkavian interpretation of angelic beauty. Underneath the skin, as if pushing through like a blister across my back is feathers underneath the flesh as if you could run your fingers down the skin and feel the veins and tines of those wings as if as if it's a physical melding of half formed appendages that haven't burst out that haven't that will never burst out they're they're they're, they're aborted wings just under the surface jesus fucking christ and then i turn back around and i walk up to benny and i say i'm anything that you need me to be for you to get through this scene so Again, who is Esther? Uh, she, she's. Uh, uh, I, I didn't meet her until uh, until we s- started this. She, she's from somewhere else. Uh, Papa Pastor said she was going to help us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's their last name? I don't know. She only says Esther. Okay, where do you know her from? We met her at the church when we started. Are you cold? Are you cold right now, Benny? Do you need a blanket? Do you need something to warm you up? And then I'll go to the wall and I'll bring a number of candles out and I'll light them. Uh huh. I'm fine. Totally fine. It's so hot in here. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I can turn a fan on if you need it. I'm good. Okay. Tell me everything you can think of about Esther, okay? And I want you to take your time and I want you to do it slow. And here's the promise. Here's the deal I'm making between you and me. As long as you keep talking and as long as you do it nice, and slow I'm not going to touch you I'm not gonna pour any of this on you I'm not gonna scratch you I'm not gonna cut you I'm not gonna hit you I'm not gonna choke you but I'm gonna need you to do me a favor and I'm gonna need you to keep talking okay can you do that for me Benny his eyes just get bigger and bigger with everything you say you're not going to do until his eyes look like they are the size of dinner plates. 
That's fine. That's fine. I need you to find that little inner strength inside you right now. Okay? I need you to find that little well of calm. Okay? Because that little well of calm is going to be what gets you through this. Okay? All right? I'm going to make a roll for him. Good. I love that for him. I'm sure you do because he kind of stiffens up a little bit and he raises his head as much as he's able to and he just says hell may kill the body but you cannot kill the soul my soul belongs to Christ the power of Christ compels you the power of oh, Christ dude, 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 dude. chanting exorcism things right left and center he, like he doesn't actually know the exorcism but he's just repeating mm-hmm. lines that he remembers from somewhere but he is very much gone into defiance that's fine that's fine Hey, Marcus, and hey, Benny, we, we we really, we really don't give a fuck about your soul. We don't, we don't, we don't. But here's the deal, it's in your body. Yeah, and 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 you're in your body right now. Uh, you know, Marcus, Marcus, you want me to be the good cop, that means you gotta come back in. Because if you don't, I'm not gonna be the good cop. Sure, I step back in. Spawn, spawn of Satan cannot prevail against the gates of heaven (laughs) and he's just muttering bible verses to himself I step in front of him and turn on awe I I take Benny by the sides of his face I don't think I don't think he's here do you feel him? who? God Benjamin visibly gulps You, you know the game we played earlier the one where I broke your nose and then all of a sudden your body was flooded with all sorts of wonderful feelings after I bit you that's the uh, the slap and tickle portion of this story it's over now and we're going to get on to the rest of the story as Paul Harvey might say we're going to get to the portion of the story where you answer the fucking questions I'm going to actually bear my fangs at him and see if I can scare him a little bit. So give me that manipulate and intimidate roll. I'd like to do something for effect if I can. Please. Because effect seems like the way to go. Uh, It's free. It doesn't cost me anything. I'm going to activate oblivion sight. Uh, So that's four. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, I'll let my eyes and the surrounding space around the whites of my eyes and skin go pitch black. It'll also let me see if there are any wraiths around. But it uh, it should prove, uh, hopefully, invigorating for young Benjamin. So your eyes turn pure black, and Rom, you would notice this for the first time. And... You do see Marcus standing behind this guy's very familiar looking spirit of Luther hiding in a shadow. He sees you and lifts his hat and laughs and then folds his arms and he's staring down at the guy. And Benjamin's looking at you in pure terror. I didn't tell me you could do that. The other one was so much easier. The other one? The Nazi. 
Esther cut her head off. It was so easy. Huh. How interesting. I thought it would be easy because that one was easy. Esther's the one that did it. We helped, but she had the sword. What kind of sword? Uh, I don't know. It, it had... She always had it with her when we saw her, and and she... She, she says someone told her that that for for this one, the Nazi one, it would work really well. And and so that's what she used. Okay, back up for me, Benny. When you say we, who do you mean? Invisible gulp. The, the, there's a gr- g- group of us from the church. Uh, Pastor Easton said that, that, that there were hell spawn walking the streets of San Francisco and it was up to us to to save the souls of of the people of San Francisco and and uh-huh you smell that I think you peed uh. Marcus tap me in for a second I walk over to where Luther is and I wink at him so Benny okay so got your dose of scary and you got your dose of mean let's talk all right because you know what you don't got right now you don't got any carrot all you got is stick all right so let's talk about carrot there are a number of ways that this can end all right so let's go through them one by one one is we just let you walk out of here but I, I'm pretty sure you know that I know that you know that that ain't happening. All right, so let's let's talk about alternative endings on this uh, on this uh, director's cut of your life here. All right, so one, you can tell us everything we want to know, and we cannot be pissed at you. We can be frustrated at you. And we can be very upset at Esther. And we can be very upset at your whole organization. But what we can do is we can wipe your fucking memory of what happened tonight. And we can compel you to give up all of your possessions and go move off to Missouri and go live in a trailer somewhere. And that can be a life. It can be a life for you. You know, I'll even let you pick the state. So it doesn't have to be Missouri. Missouri is... I mean, sounds like misery for a reason. Anyway, so we, here's, let's talk about ones that are worse than that. All right, because that's actually pretty good. That's a good deal. All right, I can bite you and then I can feed you some of my Vitae. I can ghoul you, my friend, and I can own you. I can possess you and you will be right down here in this room for a very long time. And he gulps and stares at you, especially when you say the word possess. Yeah. And we'll leave you we'll leave you there with uh, your gift bag for a bit and have a look in at what Alex is up to across town. So I am going to head over to the Pearl, I think. Okay, 
So you did get information from M, your Nosferatu contact this evening at Elysium, that Dawn, who is the former Ventru candidate for whip, after the previous one, met an unfortunate end, is not too happy with the current state of affairs in Clan Ventru, and uh, she runs a very high-end exotic club at the other end of town. So, perhaps it is time you paid her a visit. Are you calling ahead, or are you just showing up at the door? What do you think Alex would do? I just show up. Yes, that is a very Alex way of doing things. So, you pull up at the Pearl. You know where it is. You've never really been there. It's, you know, venture run. Not particularly your kind of scene. But it's a very discreet location. If you didn't know it was there, you'd drive past it without ever knowing it existed. And you knock on the door and a very tall, muscular person leans out and says, can I help you? I'm going to uh, look up at the uh, large person and uh, tell them, uh, Alex Giovanni would like to speak with Don, please. His posture relaxes slightly when you give your name. Ah, uh, yes. This way, please. And he leads you in, and you see this place is... It's like a whole bunch of buildings have been brought together. From the outside, they still look like separate buildings, but inside they've been networked. So there's stages with various genders performing exotic dances in some rooms. There's other rooms that have been closed off for other purposes. Most of the people you see in here as you walk past, as you're led past these different rooms, are kindred, other kindred. There are a few very wealthy kind who are allowed in without knowing the true purpose of the place. But it's mostly to keep up appearances. This is mostly a kindred-specific club. And the door person leads you all the way to the back. There's a stage that's set up and there is a young woman who is performing a very particular exotic dance on the pole. Down to almost nothing at this point. And there's only one person in this room and that is the very well-dressed, petite, athletic build of Dawn, the person who owns this club and also former whip of Clan Venture. Brief as it was. I will uh, walk in and take a seat next to Dawn. Ah, Alex Giovanni. I was wondering if you would ever grace my club with your presence. Well, I haven't been here yet. Me and Clan Venture usually don't get along. However, well, except for when I was at the Blue Orchid regu regularly, but that imploded. Yes, poor Trevor. Yeah. Never did find him. I assume he melted like everyone else. Or tore himself to part. Yeah, if he did, though, you'd think we'd find parts. Because I don't think he was that old. He wasn't, but he was Felix's bloodline, so perhaps... Something there. But we didn't come to this place to talk about Trevor, now did we? No, actually, we came to talk about our common enemy and why you are no longer Whip. Which one? The smart-ass kid that needs a good ass-kicking. Curtis. Yeah. That would be the one. I don't know what William thought he was doing, making that child primogen. 
But here we are. I think uh, a lot of things that he did were out of desperation. He saw the end coming. I'm not sure he saw it coming in the way it came. Well, no, but... It is most regrettable. And Clan Ventru will have something to say with Mr. Voss if we ever catch up. Even if some of us didn't like William, he was still an elder of our clan. We don't take kindly to disrespect. Yeah, but even you have to admit that Mallet wasn't your best. He was going senile at his age. As senile as we get, I think. I don't mind who hears that bit now that he's dead. <laughs> uh, well, either way, word has it that you are, uh, you and your family are, uh, opposed to Curtis having his position and status. And I am too, honestly. He's a child. He did not follow the proper hierarchical procedures to get where he is. He was pulled out of, well, barely existing into a high-powered role. Very unorthodox. I mean, it's kind of like Mallet declaring Marcus as prince. I mean, like, what was he thinking? He wasn't, clearly. He wanted chaos and he got it. Yes. And he didn't care that you guys were in the path. He always was one when he's, his little schemes, little organized schemes didn't go to plan to just rather set everything on fire. But, uh, what is it exactly you want, Alex? To know how badly you want Curtis out of the way. She leans back, folds her arms across her chest. She hasn't taken her eyes off the exotic dancer on the stage this entire time. I'm not asking you to do anything. I just want to know where the line is. He's our clan to deal with, finally. If you catch my meaning, anyone else finds themselves from removing a head from Clan Ventru, we won't be so quiet about it. However, were his, uh, fall to be organized or were we to have certain information that would allow us to break convention and remove him since we have no prince to do it for us anymore we wouldn't be opposed to such assistance I'm assuming you're still in neutral territory not with this uh, she wrinkles her nose union uh, that is correct Mm. I was um, highly irritated to be drugged into Camarilla business to begin with. However, I have made some friends and, uh, you know, some not friends. But, um, yes, I prefer to be where I am. Well, no good was ever going to come of having a Nosferatu prince in such an important city anyway. It just took longer than we thought it would for everything to fall in on itself. Well, the thing I have on Curtis right now, though, is that he's harboring all of, well, I don't know how many there are, but I think there's a few of Mallet's 
Childer. So I think he thinks that he is safe. Yes. We can't allow that bloodline to continue. It seems tainted. They've got a case of the crazies. A bit of madness, perhaps, running through that bloodline tends to happen when someone so old makes Childer. You know, can't really help passing it on. Yeah, I also don't think he asked his higher-ups. If you asked him, he didn't have any. <laughs> That's because... You know, between... Between us... That's because they abandoned him. An eyebrow slowly goes up. Really? That's the word. Yes, well... The White Tower has its own business going on. But with, uh... William out of the way, I'm sure they'll hear about that soon enough if they haven't already. I personally think that they've given up on this city. I mean... I think it's been months since he requested backup. I'm assuming they uh, washed their hands of it. I don't have proof of that, but I do know he asked. Well, I will have to confirm what you're telling me, of course. But if the White Tower has washed its hands, proverbially speaking, of San Francisco... Well, there's a power gap, but I'm sure that Mr. Voss, Mr. Independent Territory of San Francisco, won't mind another piece of San Francisco being independent. I don't think so. I mean, well, honestly, I don't know. I don't know where he sides. Sometimes he wrinkles his nose at the fact that I don't choose a side, and then other times he doesn't want to be held down by any sides. So that might be something you might have to ask him. As if I'd talk to him. You may have to at some point. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying. If and when we talk, it will be when I am ready for it. I assume we can continue... Whatever arrangement you had with William. I know you had one. Mostly he wanted information, as everybody does. Of course. And you would be welcome in my little patch of territory once I have it. And of course, information's a two-way street. Indeed it is. It is not free. No. Nothing worth having is. We will take care of the Curtis problem between the two of us, I think. And I will deal with the tainted bloodline. It would be best if the clan handles clan business. But any information you have to assist would be welcome. Uh, mostly right now, all I have is I know a swift way to make him get out of the way. But it doesn't involve you or your clan I mean it could be in such a way that he had an unfortunate event happen going to have the pipes in his building explode and dump a bunch of sewage on him oh no this would be more direct this plan uh, has no nuance or any of that 
Nuance perhaps is better. We have hunters in the city after all, and the masquerade is still our most important tenant. Yeah, those hunters didn't just happen magically. That I have information on. It wasn't because somebody broke the masquerade and drew their attention here. We've all been very careful. Even the San Francisco crawler? I rather thought that's what sparked it. No. That wasn't big enough and that story disappeared before any amount of people could really read it. So what did then? That would be your daddy. Well, not really. Your prince daddy. Your ventru, Mr. High and Mighty. Her shoulders tense and she tilts her head back. Are you insinuating that a member of Clan Ventru would break the masquerade sufficiently to draw in hunters? I think some well-placed information in the right hands to perhaps a fanatic that would spew all of these uh, Bram Stoker nonsense out into the ethos, yeah, drew some attention. And I know there is no insinuating. I know he is behind it. If that's true, the source of the problem at least has already been taken care of. If. Sure, but we still have the problem. And that doesn't make Ventru look very good. So, I mean, we wouldn't want proof getting out, now would we? Oh, proof is there. Oh, there is. What is it you want, Alex Giovanni? I want his children gone and Curtis gone, and I want it done fast. You should be in place of power instead of him. You know what? I don't get along with most of your clan, but I think for the most part, you're level-headed and business-savvy and do the Ventru thing. I think Curtis is a child throwing a temper tantrum and I am tired of it. That's not what the city needs. Curtis is a tech bro, I believe the terminology the children are using is... He never had to work for anything. He didn't have to build up a business. She just sort of gestures around. He never had to build anything in his human life or in his undead life. It's all handed to him. He doesn't know anything. I never asked for power. I was given it because it was my right. So why are you going to be coy with him? Old structures are hard to fight against. Giovanni. Yeah, but I can make sure that your hands aren't even in it. So I will deal with the Childer, and you will deal with Curtis. Okay. Do we have a bargain? We do. And we'll promise to keep things friendly. She smiles, and she turns to look at you for the first time and holds out a hand. Very well manicured hand. As one powerful, in-control person to another. It's a pleasure doing business with you. I will shake her hand. Because if she wanted me to kiss it, that is not happening. No. 
handshake. Feel free to enjoy some of the delights of this place if you choose. I will be back, but I have business. (laughs) Very well. So do I. And she just looks at the girl on the stage who is completely upside down on the pole and flips over and bows and just walks off the stage into a side room. And Dawn stands up. I'll see you later. Sounds good. And then, like, as I'm walking out of the club, I'm, like, also texting at the same time. I'm texting the gremlin. Be like, meet me at Elysium. (laughs) You're going back to Elysium tonight or tomorrow night? Uh, Well, it depends how late it is. It's pretty late at this point. You did spend several hours at Elysium and you came to Dawn's club. So, so speaking of the gremlin, uh, Sylvester, after your conversation with Alex earlier tonight uh, at Elysium, you sat around for a bit, listening to people, maybe playing some folk music. Sebastian gave you some vintage on the house for the free entertainment, as he put it. And you got a text message from Esmeralda asking if you want to have a chat about some hunting in the city that needs doing. And she invited you to meet her at a specific location on the outskirts of town that you were unfamiliar with. And since you can't use the internet, it's not like you can use Google Earth to see what it is. Mm -mm. But you show up outside this place. It's got a major wire fence around it. It looks like a junkyard. There's old cars and computers, like very, very old computers and a bunch of technology and things. And it's just laying around. And Esmeralda is standing by the gate, arms folded across her chest with a sledgehammer leaning against the gate next to her. Oh, so what's the thing you talked about? Oh, bud. (laughs) Figured we could both use it. It's not fun Mm. standing around talking. Might as well do some stuff while we're at it. Yep. You get told that you're not allowed to go off half-cocked and hunt them all down. Ah, Mariam got to you. I see. Yep. Well, let's let it out. And she literally tosses you the sledgehammer one-handed. Oh, yeah. And I just grab it out of the air. It's just... It's just a sledgehammer. It's just a sledgehammer, man. (laughs) And she opens the gate and you see all of this broken down machinery around you. And she takes a deep, unnecessary breath and says, I waited for you to show up. It was very hard, but come on. She goes over to a car and just starts ripping the top of the car apart with her bare hands. And she arches her back and lets out a growl and she throws the top of the car in the air and it crashes to the ground with a very satisfying thunk. Oh, I feel better already. So what are we gonna do about our hunter problem, Sylvester? And she starts ripping <laughs> ripping the tires off the car. <laughs> Sylvester has gone like slightly across from her. Like imagine if there's, there's, a, there's an aisle down the middle and he has just gone to an opposite side. <laughs> he is wrenching the bonnet off the hood off of a station wagon and he's just well I was thinking and he just like folds it in half (laughs) I was thinking you know I was gonna be bait and I'd have a bunch of my you know a bunch of the the gang (sighs) 
watch my back and I draw attention. Apparently we're not allowed to do that. What I have done, and he like just bends the folded thing over his knee and he's like, what I have done, and just throws it away. I talked to Giovanni. I figure William Mallet sold everybody out. So you got to get boss extra protection if you can. Uh, I know he's not a baron anymore and he's just taking the sledgehammer and he's just wailing on the engine block. <laughs> he's like, so you just got to get him. You got to tell him that uh, he's still a target. That It's not over. It's not over and it will not be over for a little while. Oh, that's... He takes off the carburetor and just throws it in the air and just swings the hammer at it like a baseball bat. Esmeralda rips the engine out of this car that she's been destroying and just starts systematically ripping it apart and crushing all of the pieces into almost like a trash compactor with her bare hands. Her eyes are glinting red and she is... Yes... Mallet, the mother, fucker. And she just squeezes the engine into this tiny piece of metal. Yeah, we need to... We need to go take out that church. The Voss says All we right. gotta be careful. Because masquerade shit. Mm, masquerade and shit. And she throws the metal across the yard and it hits the gate on the other end. Don't worry, one of us owns this place. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, so the thing is that we got to be careful about that church. I've just got a feeling. And Giovanni knows something about it. They know something. But uh, I couldn't tell you what. You know. You didn't ask. I didn't have the money to pay, Esmeralda. I just. <laughs> and he just. You don't pay Giovanni in money. You pay in secrets. I'm sure, you've got some of those. She rips, she rips the seats out of the car and just starts smashing them on the ground and ripping the fabric apart. He's he's just tearing off the tire of a off that station wagon. He's just hopping it off the ground a couple of times. It's like, well, I mean, my secrets are my secrets. I already don't like that people know things about me. Like that, uh, that olive lady did not care that she knew stuff, but felt wrong. Look, I. You know I don't like to make a big deal of it, but the whole, like, early warning system thing, just that sense of stuff being off, this whole thing puts it on. It, it's real heavy on just all fronts. I, uh, he's just <laughs> wrenching off the actual wheel of the car now. Like, hubcap and all, it's just coming away. I don't like it because... He just stops and turns to her and he's like, if I'm honest, it's all kind of fucked, right? Like, Giovanni told me that Van Ness was killed with a fucking sword. Who kills a vampire with a sword? Who is able to get close enough? That's weird. Yeah, that bothered me too. She picks up an old computer. It looks like early 1990s and just smashes it on the ground, kicks all the glass in. Oh, that's so satisfying. <sighs> she but... looks over and <laughs> Sylvester is just jumping up and down repeatedly <laughs> on just a typewriter. It's just a really kind of like 
electric typewriter and he's just hopping on it and it's go- it's making the little bell noise. <laughs> it, it, this is like a ball pit for vampires. <laughs> it really is. We need to figure out a couple of things. Mm-hmm. So one, from what, uh, from what I've been told, the one with the sword is Jewish. Said a prayer in Hebrew. Unless they've got... Now, something Giovanni said make, made me think maybe she was only in the Van Ness thing because, you know, Nazi. Which I respect that. The, um, the big worry I got is... So I'm pretty sure it's tied up with this... Uh, oh, the guy on the radio. That stupid pastor guy. Yeah, that's the one. Man, did you ever listen to that shit? No. Fucking reminds me of the Nazis. Just genuinely the same thing, but just instead of, ooh, this ethnic group, it's, ooh, everyone that's not us. Uh, and he, he's just wailing on a, a washing machine now. We could go smash his fucking church windows. <sighs> yeah, I'm a... I'm not so sure that's a good idea just yet. I want to do more scouting. I feel like he is doing something, and even if he doesn't know it, he's doing something. Just messy and weird and don't care for it. The whole thing, as I said, has that bad vibe. Don't know how to explain it more than that. I'm just... We'll hold off for a little bit. For one thing, I was told we're not allowed to just run in. Even though, you know, I'm totally of the opinion that a firebomb will solve a lot of our problems. It's not the sect war anymore, yada, yada, yada. I know. See, they keep saying <laughs> she, that, but the threat is just as existential. She she picks she picks up a computer monitor and just throws it against the gate. Fine. All right. So we're going to do some research. She says it like it's a four letter word. Mm-hmm. Do the scouting bit. But I think you and I should go hunting. One night. Keep the masquerade. Won't do anything super dangerous. But maybe, you know, if someone was looking for vampires, someone was crazy and they thought vampires were real. And, he, and he's like making hand gestures. He's like, that would be protecting the masquerade, Sylvester. That would be totally within our bounds. Absolutely no violations going on whatsoever. And I mean, if we if we made like, you know, something about ourselves kind of noticeable as a challenge for ourselves as predators, as hunters, that would be just a challenge. As long as, you know, we didn't obviously break the masquerade, like wearing a white jacket instead of, you know, denim. So like dressing us the wrong way in, a, in the wrong part of town, that kind of thing. Uh, he kind of like makes a ha- he makes the so so hand gesture. He's like, I'm still thinking about it. I haven't figured everything out yet. Oh, by the way, catch. And he just throws a toaster at her. (laughs) She catches it with one hand without even batting an eye and just tosses it against a car where it makes a huge dent in the car and bounces off. And uh, I think we'll leave you two there for the moment, smashing a bunch of things in the yard and just having a grand old non-masquerade breaking time. Absolutely. We, if a human saw why that would be terrible, but um, they can't, they won't. It's great. Yes. And since it's kindred owned, you're fine. You're mm-hmm. fine. So we'll leave you in your playpen for the bit and uh, switch over to Katarina. 
Katarina, the back of your clinic is going to be opening tomorrow night. Vlad has, after his little session uh, with your new toy, has given you a list of all of the preparations that he and Chad are finalizing and says in a text message after he's left, uh, by the way, uh, Jane will be in tomorrow night for the big opening. She would like to say hi. And I will very slowly text back. Very slowly. Sounds good. It'll be nice to see her. Hopefully she likes what we're doing. So that must take you, what, 45 minutes to type out? Nah, like 20. Sure. So you send the message and you get a thumbs up back from Vlad. Vlad is fairly young. You get the idea that he's what we call a digital native, where he's used to living in and working with technology. So he's a lot faster than you are. And he seems to be a bit amused by how long it takes you to text things. But, uh... Your clinic will be opening tomorrow night. Isn't that wonderful? All the months of preparation and paperwork and everything you've had to do. Listen, I've worked very hard. You have worked very hard. So, with that on the horizon for tomorrow night, what are you doing this evening to finish up your night? You've had some fun. You've had a snack. You've given your snack a snack. And a tail. And no fingernails. I think I'm going to just put her back in the chains and carry her upstairs and put her on the floor. And I'll get some blankets and just cover her up, get her a pillow, pat her after I cover her up. You should get some sleep. V will be having a big night tomorrow, yeah? You need to rest up. She has no strength left to say anything, but she still gives you this look that's a mix of awe and terror and just still a bit of hate in there that you haven't quite managed to break. Uh, You put Sophie to bed, quote-unquote, and leave the room, and Jean is waiting for you. And I will go, I will go downstairs. Hi, Katarina. Just stopping in to have a little chat if you've got some time. Yes, of course. So, I know the clinic's opening tomorrow night. And and we technically, I guess, don't have a barony anymore. And there's technically not a super hierarchy. But I still had everything arranged for security and all that sort of thing. Do you still need it? Slash wanted. Well, we do have hunters in the city. So I think that those precautions would still be good to have. Right. Okay. She hands you a folder full of paperwork. I'm not going to be there. But uh, here's all the people you'll you'll have around you. So at least you know who's there and you can talk to them. But uh, you mentioned the hunter thing. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. She gestures to the couch. If you want to sit down. Yeah, and I will sit down. So my concern with this whole hunter thing is she looks at the ground for a moment and then looks back up at you. Have you had experience with hunters before, Katarina? 
No, I've never met any. We have. And by we, I mean the house of Lissandra. Those of us who are in town. I lost a child. At one point. The only one I've had so far. I never asked Esme for another one. They can be really dangerous, and the most dangerous thing about them is when they figure out the people to go after who you care about. Whether as bait, or as a way of what they think is destroying a vampire's tether to this world. And I know you have a human and uh, his husband, partner, boyfriend. I don't know what they call each other at the moment. I think she looks down again. Look, I know what you did to help Esme and what I am offering as a thank you is to put some protection on your human. Because if Mallet is the one who set them on us, we have no way of knowing who he told them to go after. And Mallet knew about you and what you are. We can assume he knew about your humans. And you are the only one I am offering this to, outside of Marcus, because we have a working relationship but I feel like I owe you something. I will take you up on Satafer. I'm not gonna make it obvious. You know, we're good at the secretive sort of things and the shadows around her kind of ripple. I'm not going to make it obvious. I know your humans don't know what you are and we want to keep it that way, I assume. But I can have someone keeping an eye on them until this hunter problem is solved. I would appreciate it. Okay. He's more of my world than I know how to explain. I remember having humans once. Long time ago. You get kind of attached to them. And you don't want to lose them any faster than you have to. No. I will put someone in the shadows nearby. At night, anyway. And I have some ghouls in the network, not our ghouls, but other ghouls that I can have watching, watching them move during the day. They might feel uncomfortable, your humans. They might think someone's watching them. I don't know how alert they are. They won't see us at night, but they might see the ghouls. But I will consider this debt paid once the hunters are gone and your humans are safe. Absolutely. And if you happen to be in contact with Esme, I don't know want to I don't want to know where they are. It's safer that way. Just tell them I said thank you. They'll understand. I do not know where they have gone since I sent them away. All right. And this is the most kind of serious you've seen, Gene, just kind of quiet and serious, not focused on business, not really in the Herald or Seneschal kind of mode. Just no, it, it's fine. I will keep up my end and then we'll be even. I can't do anything for Esme, so I do it for you because you helped Esme. Just don't say anything to Marcus about it. I will not. 
We understand each other. And she stands up again. And the shadows behind her ripple. And you see Camille step out of the wall. Camille's one of the other La Sombra. And she says, don't worry, he wasn't listening. I just told him to show up at this time. Camille's going to keep an eye on your people for you. I thought maybe you should know who it was. And Camille's this tall, broad-shouldered, older-looking man in his 50s. And he smiles and says, uh, I got some surveillance in my past. I know what I'm doing. They'll be okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. No worries. And Jean says, House La Sombra always pays its debts. And she turns and walks away. And Camille says, is there anything else you, you want to know from my keeping an eye on them? Usually people ask me to collect information. It's a little weird just watching. Just let me know if he seems happy. Camille looks a little bit puzzled by that particular request. Says, um, okay. Not sure I can judge what makes humans happy anymore, but I'll do it. Do my best. Oh, don't worry. He'll be very obvious. Oh, gotcha. And he smiles and slips back into the wall. Lissombra don't seem capable of going anywhere normally, other than Jean. So let's uh, have one last look in on a specific uh, interrogation scene. See how that's going from Marcus and Rom and poor, poor Benjamin. We know about Fred and we know about Esther. Like I said, we. Who is we? They have names. All of us are from the church. Other than Esther, it's all dudes. I swear. Pastor Easton said that hunting demons was men's work. Except okay. for Esther, because you can't say no to Esther. I'd like to see anybody try to say no to Esther. She scares me. I'll keep that in mind. He's just kind of babbling a little bit at this point because he's so terrified of both of you. How much closer to God would you like to get? Not at all. Not tonight. Okay, so I'm going to make this really quick because, to be perfectly honest, Benjamin, I've spent way more time with you than I have really most any human of recent date. So unless I get names first and last, I'm going to take every single solitary crucifix you have, and I'm going to insert them rectally one by one after heating them up over a campfire. I want names, and I want them now. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Mark Jacobson? What's Mark do? He's a cop. He's a cop. Of course. SFPD. Um, and, 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 and Matthew Riley. Okay, what's Mr. Riley do? He's, he's a firefighter. All right. And then there's Zebediah. We call him Zeb. And his last name is Danielson. And he's an architect, but he does, he does Krav Maga. Krav Maga. I look over it. Rom, are you familiar with Krav Maga? Like, yeah, yeah the martial art, right? It's, right? That's the um, Israeli one, right? Right. Yeah. 
um, like tangentially. Okay. Is is this it then? Wait, we meet with with Pastor Easton every couple of days, and his he has a a, a friend whose name is Jack, and I don't know his last name, but he's also a cop, and and they meet. He's always there, and he's always watching. Pastor says he keeps us safe. Oh, okay. He keeps you safe. So, mm-hmm. how safe are you? Not at all. Didn't work then, did it? He said it would. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That sort of make a mockingly sort of gesture to my sides of my face as if I'm crying. Not so safe. Pastor said all we had to do was was follow the Bible and 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 pray and God would protect us because we are the the chosen people of God and 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 hell could not prevail against us. And I think he was wrong. You think he was wrong? Oh no! So if he's wrong, that means that you're not safe. That God hasn't protect you. And, um, I guess you're, I guess you're kind of fucked. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I have what I need. I sort of stand up. Uh, so I don't have any more use for you. He tries to pull away as much as the restraints will let him. And I think that is where we are going to end this episode. Thank you all for listening in. And hope you will join us next time to see where we go with the machinations of this city. Thank you and good night.